Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Inside the Coach's Office. My name is Tom Murphy Jr. I'm here with Coach Brian Barnes. And this is episode number four of Inside the Coach's Office. And we're really excited to introduce uh, Coach Wade Waldrop from Lawton High School. How you doing, Coach? Doing really well. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Brian, how's it going? We're back again. I'm loving yeah. it. I had a day off from work today, a little snow day here in the Metro Detroit area. So uh, chomping at the bit all day a little bit, though, We're ready to talk to Coach Waldrop, you know, tonight about uh, the great things he's done at Lawton and uh, high school football. Absolutely. It's a great day to talk to football, just like it is every day. <laughs> so uh, let's get this thing kicked off. Coach Waldrop, um, you, you're coming off an, an incredible season. Um, I mean, as far as Lawton High School football is concerned, a historic season. Um, can you just talk a bit about um, the success that you've had um, in the past, well, last year, and the, but the two years you, you've been at lot and you really took the the program to new heights uh can you just kind of um talk about how you were able to bring um so much success so quickly um well you know first of all when you when you talk about that um you know i came into Lawton um not not with them coming off a bad situation with their coaches prior they had um they had co-head coaches and Tony and Kyle Carson, um, who were Lawton grads, and they had had a lot of success. They had been there since, I believe, 2007. Um, they had a lot of, you know, um, you know, undefeated seasons. They had done a lot of things there, um, and they had, sent a, they had set a foundation, um, and they, had, they were just at a point in their life or in their career, and they're both young men, much younger than myself, and they had just decided their kids were at an age where they wanted to, you know, they wanted to focus more on their kids and they had, you know, let administration know that they, they felt like they were done. Um, and so there was a foundation set there, you know, and Lawton's a pretty special place. They had just come off of a couple of bad years um, where, you know, wh whether it would be the talent was down, whatever the situation was, you know, we, we play in a, from a small class um, standpoint, we play in a very, very tough conference. Um, you're talking about teams like, you know, Waterville and Constantine and Schoolcraft teams that are perennially, you know, perennial top five teams in whatever class they're in um, to play in that league. And they just had had a couple of tough years, um, but there, you know, there was talent coming up. They, they had had a, kind of a small team. And when I took over, there was uh, just four seniors. So, I mean, that, that right there, that tells you why they're, they're struggling a little bit. You know, you only have four kids in your junior class. Um, you're going to struggle a little bit. And what we did is we recruited the hallways a little bit. We got two or three more seniors out and we made a decision that year that what, you know, we were going to suffer our lumps and we were get, we had some big sophomores and we decided we were going to bring up seven sophomores, um, four of which played on the line. And if you count the tight end, five of them, which had played on the tight end. And then an extremely talented running back in Jake Roof, who I think everybody in the state knows of right now. You know, but as a junior, but our, as a sophomore, you know, he, he was going to start for us in the slot at sophomore um, as a sophomore. And we were just going to roll with it. And, you know, we came in with a lot of excitement, a lot of energy. And and in that that first year, things just started, you know, the, the, the this those parents, that senior parents that year, they said, you know, coach, if, if we can get to a winning run, record, and maybe make the playoffs, then we would be satisfied. And I tried to tell them, you know, you only have four seniors, five and four. That's going to be, 
You don't know if you're going to get to five and four. You have four seniors. Um, and, and in the junior class, the junior class that had their best player in Jimmy Downs, who was a like three-time All-State player after he finished last year, he had transferred to Schoolcraft, the arch rival. And they had two other kids who had transferred to Pawpaw. You know, they were coming off some tough years. And what we did is we took those sophomores and we decided we were going to roll with them. And um, things just kind of started to go our way. And we ended up that year winning our first 10 games and playing Schoolcraft, uh, who was ranked second in the, in the state and lost to them in the district finals. So I think that the expectation had changed at that point. You know, the expectation had always been there as far as standards, the way you do things, what we like to call the blue devil way that had been there way prior to me, um, physical, a physical attacking defense that, that was way prior to me that they had had that. And so to come in and then the expectation of what the actual success would look like from a win loss standpoint had changed. Um, so we went into the second year, um, the COVID year, and we went, Five and one, Schoolcraft then went into our division of the conference. We lost to them again, and then we won our first two games of playoffs. Had to play Schoolcraft again in the district finals. They beat us again. Um, so after the first two years, we're sitting at seventeen and three, um, having our all three losses at school. All three of those games had been at Schoolcraft. How, how frustrating was that for you, like with Schoolcraft? Oh, like that just had to. Like, how do we beat these guys, you know? And, and well, and they're five, they are literally, if you're going east to west, they're the town next to us. Um, they're, they're, our, they're our rival. We're not necessarily their rival. Their rival, they would look at it as Constantine there as a rival. And I always, and I, and I say it this way, and I think it's become, there's, and I, you know, I'm sure Coach Ferris will watch, there was some bad blood in those first two years of, of me being at, um, Lawton and we can talk about that and coach Barnes has asked me if there's anything off limits we can talk about that in a second but is it frustrating um yeah it's a little bit frustrating but we're not even supposed to be to, to be honest with you Lawton wasn't supposed to be on the same field with Schoolcraft Schoolcraft is this perennial powerhouse they're a they are a program in the state from a class from a small class you know state championships and they're ranked you know is it frustrating yes yeah, somewhat frustrating that we lose to them you know three times in two years um, but we weren't necessarily supposed to be on the same field with them. And again, I always say, say this, you know, Lawton looks at schoolcraft as a rival, much like Michigan state looks at Michigan as a rival. Yeah. Michigan doesn't necessarily think of Michigan state as their rival. They think of Ohio state as their rival. Well, schoolcraft doesn't look at Lawton as their rival. Yes. We want to beat them really bad, but they look at Ohio state as their, their rival. Schoolcraft yeah. looks at Constantine as their rival yeah. I, um, prior to this year. We hadn't beat them since 1986. So we went 35 years without beating Schoolcraft. Wow. And then this year we finally got over the hump and beat them 52 to nothing. Yeah. I was just going to chime in, you know, talking about, um, you know, uh, Schoolcraft and, and, you know, playing in the playoffs and whatnot. And just the other day I was talking to some coaching buddies again about like how good division seven is in general. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. the, the opponents you beat in division seven, you know, you had to beat Jackson Lumen Christie, um, you know, who just beat Detroit Loyola. And I had experience. We had experience playing those guys. And, you know, see, you see some of their guys getting preferred walk-ons to Michigan. Um, and a couple of their players, you know, Grand Valley State last year, they had a player signed with Michigan State. And the talent level in Division 7 is as good is as good as a lot of, you know, divisions in our state. Um, I think Division 7, some of these teams would, 
be pretty competitive in Division Six, Division Five, maybe even Division Four. Um, yeah. Talk to doubt, the yeah. Talk talk to me about like you know because I'm always impressed with talking to coaches who are able to make a run. You know, it's it's really a gauntlet. Um, and, and the different styles, like you're a defensive guy, uh, and you know, and you got a really good defensive system that, um, you know, a lot of coaches hear about at clinics and whatnot, and it's, and it's really popular. And, you know, you sometimes have to adjust your system and your scheme to the different offenses and the different talent levels you see as the season goes on in general. And then especially when you're running into, you know, like I said, the powerhouses you're running into in the playoffs. So if you could talk a little bit about, um, how you tried to tailor your game plans um, and how you managed to get the kids on board and stuff, making that kind of run against those type of opponents. Um, well, you know, I'll be honest with our, with our regular season, our, our regular season opponents, the people didn't look at us as having a very strong schedule. And we do, we play, if you, if you play in Southwest Michigan, you're going to play four to five wing T football teams. So, you know, you don't get to see a lot of spread, I think that you know what though you know what though I'm going to interrupt you really quick just because you see like to me as as a coach when we have to game plan for wing T you know we know we're going to get a tough physical football team mm-hmm. so like you don't have I mean regardless of the scheme like you you know you have to deal with tough physical kids who are probably a lot of wrestlers you know what I'm saying and like to get after a little bit so again major credit to you guys for for doing that right and and you know and we and we we run a little wing T too. We don't think of us every anyone that watched us in our run this year, they would think we're a wing T team and we're not, we're a, we're a spread power team. But when you're playing what my point to that was, if you're playing wing T teams week in and week out, you don't necessarily get to see the very good teams. And I think, you know, we knew before the season started that we were a top three or four team in the state. We knew that, like we, we knew what was out there. Um, our kids, understood it they had played you know we had played you know in those three games we had played school crap very tough in the first half they just out they out talented us and had more experience than us um so when you're talking about the game plan you know we go through those first five games and delton decided the delton had a covid issue and we and you know delton coach bates is one of my closest friends um and i told him it was going to do him no good to play us with with jv kids it would be better for him to say he wasn't going to play and let us go try and find somebody. And what we did, and I, and I really believe this is the reason we made the run is when he went down, we called first, we called MCC and MCC said, no, thank you. They wouldn't play us. Um, Muskegon Catholic center who we end up playing in the playoffs. Looks like uh, coach Barnes went down there. Yeah. I know. Um, you can keep going. He'll be right there. Um, and you know, we, we, we go and inst- MCC won't play us um, and, and for whatever reason. I don't think they're ducking us. I just think that they had some things going on too. Um, yeah. They had done that earlier in the season. So then week six, we get that we call up Montrose and to Montrose's credit. I mean, if you look at the scores we were putting up, there should have been nothing about, you know, Montrose is a, a powerhouse himself. They play new Lothrop. They play, they play over at LC, they play good teams. There is no reason for them to co play a lot. And, and they, it was their homecoming though. And they asked us to come and we felt like that. Okay. This was our proving ground, right? We don't get to play a, a great school craft team this year. School crafts down. We go to Montrose and we, um, we put up 70 points on them and Montrose doesn't give up 70 points to teams. And and, and we played our JV kids almost the whole second half, not our second team. We played our JV kids. And then we kind of go through the last bit 
And then as we had to game plan, you know, we played a number of different teams. So when we're talking about our defense and I will say this, you know, coach Barnes, you're right. I, I, I do have a very unique defense that we, that we present at clinics on. And um, we actually, you know, we consult with about 10 teams around the country on this defense that we run. Um, but I think that's, we game plan a little bit, but we attack the other teams. We, we don't necessarily try and stop them. We try and make them stop our defense. And we are very, if you watch the, if you watch the, the semis or you watch the finals, you'll see we are hyper aggressive, hyper, hyper aggressive, not from a blitzing standpoint, but trying to really do things that create problems from other teams. And our defense looks extremely complicated to an offensive team but it is very, very simple from a defensive standpoint so that we can play fast and fly around the field. So there was a lot of game planning, um, but as a, as a coach's job, you know, I think what we do mostly is we spend, we spend a lot of time on the weekends coming up with not a game plan, but going from a statistical standpoint where we know what the other team that wants to do in down and distance. And then we call our defense to do those things against those teams in down and distance. Um, and that, that, that's kind of how we run the defense. Yeah. Okay. So with having a unique defense, you, you also put up a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, and obviously like uh, you had touched on your run, running back, uh, the numbers are, are staggering. If, if you mm-hmm. look at it with 48 touchdowns, 2,253 yards for Jake Ruff. Roof. Yep. Roof. Roof. Yep. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you game plan your, your offensive strategy when, when you got a workhorse like that? Like, cause I, like, obviously the other team is going to just key on that, on him, on him pretty much, but he's still, whew, those numbers are something else. So. Yeah. But okay. But the thing of it is though, is um yeah, Jake, Jake had a lot of touchdown. He had a lot of yards, um, but you also have a kid in Carter Cosby, who is a second year running back also. And Carter gained almost a thousand yards this year. You have Cooper guy who he gained. Um, I think he gained 800 yards rushing. And then we have Landon Motter. He gains like 500 yards rushing. So um, he is, Jake was a workhorse in when you look at it yardage, but he only had 150 carries for the, he had 2,600 yards on only 150 carries. So he's only carrying the ball 10 times a game. Um, um, the, we actually had very few offensive plays, very, very few offensive plays. Um, I think more the, the guys who don't get the credit, you know, Jake is a great, he just, he's signed a huge scholarship deal to Michigan tech today. Um, nice. A lot, you know, a lot of his schooling's paid for, but our line, if you went from left to right, went 275, 260, our center was 270. Our right guards a little smaller. Um, he's at, it was like 195. And then our right tackle is back to 260. Um, when you have a line like that, big boy from, line right there. Yeah. From, from, from a small school standpoint, um, the game planning from an offensive standpoint um, wasn't so much to give Jake the ball, but was to do, was to get what other teams gave us. And what ended end up happening is other teams really think of us as a, the teams we play on a day to day basis are on a year-to-year basis think of us as a spread power team so they really are concerned with our spread game so what's given to us on a week-to-week basis is they give us the wing t and jake happens to be our left running back and most full house wing t their best running back is their left halfback 
and running the ball to the right, he would be, he was behind three, well, four, if you count the center, four, three-year starters. And so it's kind of, if you're going to give a swing tee, what ends up happening is teams really started to really worry about the other side of the ball. Cause Carter Cosby is such a physical running back. We would end up countering back to Jake and Jake just had huge runs, huge, huge runs. So. Yeah. Yep. And coach Barnes, you had a running back in that same mold. I really, you've had a few now um, in the past few years, but with uh, Kendall Taylor, man, th- that guy was um, an absolute workhorse himself. So I, how do you handle that same situation when you got a guy who needs the ball, but you know, but they're going to key on him because he's, he's the guy, but he's still making plays. Yeah. Um, so we had Kendall Taylor, uh, my first couple of years of Bishop Foley and now Jackson Zider has been an all state running back for us as well. And yeah. uh, both are a little bit different skill wise, but like you said, guys, we have to get touches, you know, and for us, our scheme's a little bit different um, than coaches. And so what we try to do is we, we try to spread the ball around as much as possible, kind of like coach does, but we did just do it a little bit differently. Uh, you know, we throw the ball a little more and whatnot. And what that does, I think is even though they're keying on, you know, to, to try to take away one guy, so to speak, it, it's, I mean, we, we feel like we're going to beat you in some other areas if, if you're not, um, you know, trying to pay attention to those as well. And we find out that what that does is that opens things up a little bit better for us um, and getting those guys involved, specifically Jackson. The other thing is that we like to use our, our backs in a lot of different ways. Um, so he doesn't just line up in the backfield in a straight eye formation, for example, like, you know, we'll, we'll put him in the pistol, uh, you know, we'll offset him to either side. Um, you know, we use what's called a bounce technique. We'll move him before the snap. Uh, so hopefully the defense, if they set their, you know, their defensive front to the running back, you know, it confuses them a little bit um, by moving him. You know, sometimes we'll put Jackson in the slot and, um, you know, jet motion him and give him some jet sweeps that way and whatnot. So you're right. It's important. We obviously, you know, um, if you've watched us, we throw the ball to him a lot as well, uh, screens and out of the backfield too. So, I mean, you, you're right. Um, there are good defensive coaches out there who are going to do everything they can to try to stop that. And so as an offensive play caller and, and coach, you know, we find, try to find ways to get them the ball in different ways. And the other thing, and I'm sure coaches the same way, you know, Jackson, um, for us, like he returns kicks, he returns punts, you know, it's one of those deals like, um, <clears throat> you, you know, try not to think plays, think players, what they say. Right. And so get, get your guys a ball, you know, if you got a horse, ride them the best that you can and put the ball in his hands. You know, you know, and I'll add something to that also, Coach, because I, you know, I, I know Coach Barnes is a phenomenal coach, and he probably spends a lot of time watching film. He's an offensive guy. I'm a defensive guy, and I have a very good offensive coordinator in AJ High. Um, but my guess is when you're playing low, when you're playing Class C football, um, you know, and Coach Barnes probably plays some bigger schools. But when you're playing that, there there is going to be a weak link in that defense. You're gonna find the weak link. There might be two weak links. And what you do then is you put your your guy, in this case Zider, who we who, who we know from if you're a Clawson guy, this coach and I are Zider's a big name in Clawson, but um he probably put you coach you probably put him in positions to to attack their weak points too, right? Like it's not just play. so 
not just players, but it's attacking spots on the field too. No question. It's funny you said that. So, you know, last, last year, the last two years, I uh, had a chance to speak at, you know, our coaches association clinic, just like you. And my first topic was, you know, diverse ways to get our running back to football. And one of the things I said, I said, you know what, we, we in the game film, you know, remember back in the day, the linebackers had that thick neck roll, you know, wearing number 54 or whatever. And, we're thinking to ourselves, like, all right, there's no way that dude can cover Jackson anywhere <laughs> we put him, right? And so we try to find that matchup for Jackson and take advantage of it. And to be honest with you, like, um, like no offense is perfect, right? You know, there's a lot of, you know, good defenses out there. It's, it's the ultimate chess match during the game. But, you know, a lot of times defenses in high school football, especially from the linebacker position, they don't, you know, there are a lot of other things they focus on other than um, – you know, uh, pass defense and covering running backs out of the backfield, especially in a man-to-man situation, right? Coach, I mean, you're a linebacker guy. That's, I mean, I don't know how much passing you guys see, but it's probably the last thing you guys would install, um, you know, in a typical practice session. And so we we feel like that's an advantage for us, and we try to take advantage of that each week. Absolutely. But from a, from a defensive standpoint, then, um, you know, you hear about same as a lot on offense, but – from a defensive standpoint, you have to do same same as also. So, you know, I'll switch gears a little bit here. You know, linebackers, they aren't, you know, they aren't as fast as a running back. And if you look at high school football, it's usually the best player on the other team is their running back. Usually that's going to be the case, right? And usually the guy who can cover that running back the best is not covering that running back. He's probably out covering a wide receiver. So when we say same as is, We've got to make our run keys, and I know a lot of coaches are like this, but they don't think of it in this way. You've got to make your run keys, put your linebacker in, in a position for success against pass plays. And what I mean by that is if that running back is – and so, for example, in our coverage, we don't, we don't send our linebackers to hook curl zones. We never do, and I know it sounds like sacrilege, but – if you've got a, 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 an off tackle read out of your linebacker and that you're going to run the kid out on an arrow route, well, that's the exact same. That's the exact same movement out of the linebacker. It's the exact same. He's coming up to fill an off tackle gap. The kid's now released because he doesn't have the ball. Well, the linebacker's in position to go. He's just cheated it. You've got to cheat for that. The same thing if it's a fast flow. If he gets a toss read, what's a linebacker doing? He's, he is. He is scraping outside. The other one's coming down. Now you're in that situation. Well, now if that kid's going to run an arc route out of the backfield, now your linebacker's in position to cover him. You've got to do things within your defense. And I think it's where a lot of, and I'm not, you know, there are so many good coaches nowadays. There, there are not, there is not too many bad coaches when you're talking about scheme. There are very, very few. They, they go to enough clinics. They have enough knowledge, but what they don't, think about though is the things they know are you're they're they're thinking college level athletes you've got to be able to do things to make your football players be able to aggressively attack these things things do we see a number of good running backs are our linebackers as fast as those running backs not even close but you've got to put them in a position if you have a very good defensive line or you have good, very good defensive backs, you've got to then do things that are going to let them cheat a second or two off the play where the quarterback can't get to them. And now you've got a pass rush. You've got to do things within your defense that are not, you know, you get them for two hours a day. You've got to cheat the system. And if you don't do that at, in a position for your guys, I, 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 it's the biggest mistake high school coaches 
make is they take these schemes in their head and they try and put a kid into a position that just can't do what they're asking them to do. And it's, that's not a lack of belief. You got to do things when, within your system where you believe in the kid that he can do the things you're asking him to do. Cause if you can't do the things you're asking him to do, then change what you're asking him to do and, and create a system where they do it. So what we do when we're talking about like a running back out of the backfield, we are going to create a run key that's going to equal a pass coverage. It, you just have to do it that way. And if you're not, then you're probably not going to have a lot of success. You know, we, we did, we made a little bit of mistake against Schoolcraft in those years and in that we were asking our linebackers to be able to cover a Jimmy Downs doing a drag route. They're never going to do that. And Alex stole their quarterback. Who's a D one quarterback. Now he's too good at getting out of the pocket and waiting for Jimmy to come open. We were asking our linebackers to do stuff they couldn't do. And then when we took care of both Alex and Jimmy, they had a guy tag got who was a first team all stater in Indiana this year. He transferred out of the backfield. He was just too good for us. We were, that was not a personnel problem on our part. It was us asking our kids to do things that they just, that 95% of the high school football players can't do. So coach, um, you know, following up with that, like, I feel like I, I say it every week, like coaching defense is hard. Like us offensive guys, if we sit here and pretend and we ever get into a discussion with a defensive guy and we say that offense is harder, we're lying. Like the, the, what you guys have to deal with, what you see every week in terms of the different schemes and the great coaching, like you talked about and, um, you know, all that stuff, like it's, it's not even close. And so, you know, you kind of talked about your, you know, some of your run keys and whatnot. And so one of the things offensive guys try to do, especially we try to do. So if we see like an under reading team, like we, we know a team, their linebackers are reading the guards, for example. Um, you know, we try to manipulate that a little bit with, you know, maybe like the bash action, right. We're running back, you know, quarterback running back, just the opposite of his own read where instead of reading the backside end, we'll read the front side end, for example. Um, or, you know, in, um, a situation where we, we think a team is key in the running back as opposed to the guards, like they will flash fake, right? Sometimes that's as good as a block. And this is where the chess, chess match begins. And so how do you as a defensive coach and a linebacker coach, how do you try to counteract that? Do you feel, I mean, if you have the kids, maybe it's a week to week type thing. Um, or do you just kind of go back to what you were saying? Like, you know what, you guys are going to attack anyway. You're going to do what you do kind of thing. What is your philosophy and what is your mindset with all that? Well, I, I, I think the first thing is you got to be gap sound. So I think that, you, that, you know, on your Mondays or whatever your install day is, you've, you've got to have some sort of refresher on, de depending on what type of personnel they are. And when I say personnel, what I'm talking about is, are they 20 personnel? Are they 11 personnel? Are they, uh, you know, are, what, what type of personnel are they sending out against us? And then you have to do some sort of run fit drill. And then that's where everything has to start from, from a linebacker standpoint is where's your run fit drill. And we're, odd, we're an odd front hybrid team. We're not going to ask a kid to read, read linemen or anything like that. We're going to ask a kid to get to a part of a gap and get there fast. And then we're going to have our linebackers read it. So when, it, when we're talking about like, what, it, what is the offense trying, trying to manipulate us to do? We, we are under, under the philosophy of our defenses. We're never going to let it off dictate what we do we're just not we're not going to do that we're going to get to a gap um based off of a read and then we're going to and, and then based off of that same read we've got someone else in the field to compensate for that and so like i'll, I'll give you an example is if we're going to play a team that wants to counter us right so a team we're going to they're going to let's say they're our read's going to take us let's say to the strong side c gap 
our line, our middle linebacker, our Mike linebacker, who's our strong side linebacker. He's going to, he's going to compress down on the C gap. Our, our will linebacker is going to start to compress down. So what have we opened up now is we've opened up a gap on the backside. Well, we better have our down safety then on that weak side. He better be able to compensate for that. Right. So, so we're, what we're, what we, you call a spill fit team. Um, our, our linemen based off of our defense, they're, comp- they are all flying down the, the, down the line on this and our down safety then compensates for that gap we've left open on the backside. You've got to have some sort of compensation for that. And that sounds very complicated, but it's not all. Everybody is seeing the same thing on the field. It's now just handling your responsibility in a fast, in a fast manner. Um, I think that's how we do it. We just, we just, we, our defense refuses to let the offense dictate what we're going to do. We're going to do something. And then if you beat us on that, when we've tried to do something, we're, we're, we're willing to accept that. We, we want to, we want to stop, we want to stop your concept more than stop your play. So I'm going to sound like an awful friend here, coach, but I I watched some of your games, but so, but correct me if I'm wrong. You guys are often in a too high to start or or you're not, or does it depend on? So we are a split field. We're a split (laughs) coverage team. Um, so for, you know, and I, you know, football coaches are going to know that what that term is. Um, but so yeah, we're going to look too high. Um, but we might be too high on the strong side, right? We might be in a cover two or a quarters look on the strong side or a two read on the backside. We might be man to man. If it's a single receiver side with our down safety, actually acting like an outside linebacker. But if it's a pass down, we might then have him in a cover two look on the backside. Well, on the front side, we could be in what we would in a man, a lock man. And our down safety on that side might actually be acting like an outside linebacker. Um, We're a split field team, so we could be too high on one side with a one high look on the backside, which is an act, which is a no high on the backside. And we want to put our we want to probably put our best corner on the past week side you know that sounds like counters what most people do they want to put their their best corner on the past strong side we we don't necessarily want to do that because we have help on that side well and you're right too because offensive coaches a lot of times right they'll look at you know a singled up receiver especially to the short side of the field like the easier throw is a shorter side of the field throw for the quarterback and so that's, that's a great point so yeah so coach um i mean this is really for both you guys um this conversation has been awesome, but with you guys, it's been very technical, you know, and this is actually, what this is a big point of, I know what coach Barnes wanted to do with this podcast is get really technical with the coaching aspect. But so my question is, I'm not a um, coach, you know, but so a lot of the terms you guys use a lot of the, the, the language can get very confusing to a regular person who just who just watches football and doesn't really understand what exactly is going on. So, so how do you guys with your with how cerebral you guys are in your coaching mentality? How do you take all the knowledge that you guys have and instill it into the kids? And 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 mind you, a lot of these kids now 
grew up on playing John Madden football. And so they do, they, they've been scheming their own offenses and defenses themselves for a while. So do you think, do you think video games make it easier or harder to uh, like as, as far as that goes? And how do you put all this knowledge into 16, 17, 18 year old kids? Coach, I'll let you start. I, I have my answer a little bit for that. Oh, uh, darn, darn it. Well, I was going to let you go first, but that's all right. So, you know what? If um, to answer your question, like I think anytime kids watch or do something involved with football is good for them, good for their knowledge. So, like playing video games, John Madden, you know, NCAA football back in the day and, and watching oh, yeah. football is only, is only going to help, help them. You know, with what we do, um, you know, I'll stick to the offensive side of the ball. You know, it can be overwhelming at times. Um, and so what we do is, you know, we kind of start with the big picture of what we do. But then when I when I coach it and teach it, we install little by little. Um, you know, for example, um, it's really basic. We we want to know if the defense is a, is a one high or a two tight te- high team going into it. Um, and we think, you know, the reason we play the formations we do, you know, we're basically a two by two spread team is because I think it can limit the defense um, or I should say it kind of limits how much time they have to change before the snap. Like they got to get lined up or we hope we can catch them, you know, miss a line. Um, and so we really want to know if they're just one high or two high. Um, and then we have specific concepts to attack those things. And then, you know, we're, we're not a big full field read team. Um, you know, we're not a huge five-step concept team. We have them, but what I'm saying is I, I, we have some pretty smart kids, but I still think it's difficult for to teach a kid you know, has to go to school all day and, and, and has homework and whatnot. And then, you know, teach him to do a full field read where he's reading the progression from the, you know, one, two, three, all the way across the field. So we don't, we don't do that. We're, we, we do a lot of quick game. We have a few five-step concepts. We sprint out a lot and we're a big screen team. So with that though, when I teach it, you know, we're, even though in our minds, we want the kids to know if we're one higher or two high, like our reads are pretty, pretty simple and pretty basic. You know, we'll, we'll be a flat defender read team. Um, or when we do RPO, um, you know, we drill that and make sure, you know, we're getting a specific look. So the quarterback knows exactly, you know, what to look for, um, or we're not calling that play. If we call that play, like that's bad on us. And so we try to like the, the whole part, whole theory. So what I mean again is show the big picture. We want to know if they're one high, two high break it down to its smallest components. And then again, they hopefully can see the big picture. I hope that helps. Yeah. What do um, you say coach? Um, well, the, the first thing, you know, I, I think you may have to pull it back from there. It's like, you have to, we can be as complicated as we want in, in concepts. Um, the, the, first of all, the coaches have to be able to understand it. Right. So like coach Barnes, not go to a clinic. We can find out, this thing we want to do. Um, and I, and, you know, in my clinic talks, whenever I'm talking about install of a new defense, you know, I usually talk about some basic things. It's like knowing who knew it, knowing like what is the demographics of your school, right? So like are, are kids football savvy and you got to know kind of that, but are your coaches football savvy? Can they do that? And I, you know, I, I think I, I'm lucky in that. Um, I, I think I have one of the better football staffs. You know, I have, I have three different guys on my, on my staff, just on the defensive side that were defensive coordinators on the offensive side. I've got two guys that were offensive coordinators and a head coach. You know, I have guys that I have good coaches to do that, but then, I mean, you have to 
you have to think of it. Do I have kids that are football savvy? And another thing that, you know, I say often at these clinics are, you know, as, you know, as to math and I, you know, I can't think of exactly who said it off the top of my head, you know, at methods, there's a million, there's a different, you know, a million different methods, but principles of football are pretty basic, right? I mean, like stop the run, protect the middle, get turnovers, protect the red zone. Don't let them get off on third down. I mean, coach is probably thinking, right. He's just probably nodding his head. These are the things that win football games. It's not about, do I run too high? Am I going one high? Am I going trips this side? Am I running this, you know, flood concept? It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with some fundamental different things that, you know, if, if I don't teach my kids to block and tackle, I don't care what my concepts are. We're not going to win football games. So what has to be complicated to us as coaches does not have to be communicated to them. What we have to do is we have to put in um, a defense or an offense that is fast. Kids have to play fast. Like coach says, you have kids in school all day. So when you're hearing us talk about technical terms, what you're really hearing is coach speak. Because we, we don't need – what kids need to know, they need to know your offense and your defense. That's what they need to know on a, on a week-to-week basis. As a football coach, I not only need to know my offense, my defense, I need to know every offense I'm going to play. Kids don't need to know that holistically. Then you take your terminology that you use for your defense, you install it on a Monday in, in the same terms the kids have known the whole year – and then you, you you use buzzwords for them to be able to play football, right? So, like, you you heard me say compress. Every kid on my team knows what compress means. That All that really means is take a 45-degree angle down towards a hole. Um, and you don't – you do not stray from those terms. Kid, every kid in football knows what trips means. They know that that's three receivers over there. Yeah. They they know what open. They know what open set is. That means there's only one receiver with no tight end over there, right? They know what two back set means. They know some basic stuff. I need to know all the concepts. My linebackers need to know what who is their run key, and then they apply the same four run reads they've had all year. They need to know what the basic routes are that teams are going to run, and then they just need to be able to practice against that. Um, we don't practice terminology. We just practice, like we put in installs with basic, you know, stuff. Co- Coach and I know what all the complicated stuff is. Kids don't have any, have no idea about that. You know, like what coaches head on to that. Like when you said, you know, we don't, we don't tell the kids the terminology. So for example, like you need a big stop on third and one, for example, or, you know, fourth and short, whatever it might be. Like, we don't want the kids to be thinking like, oh, we need the perfect call here. Like they just need to do their job like whatever that is and whatever the reason and where the key takes them to, like they just need to do their job. Like they don't need to, don't worry about the schematic concept part of it. They just need to do their job. And, you know, going back to, um, you know, kind of what I was talking offensively. Right. So, you know, let's say we're, we're teaching a fade flat pass concept. Right. Okay. And in my mind as a play caller, or when we're watching film, like we might know it's a two read team we're seeing. Right. Like it really doesn't matter if the quarterback knows that or not. He, we knows like we teach him to read the corner on that concept. So it really doesn't matter. Like that guy could drop and the safety could buzz down and it's a cover three. Look, it really doesn't matter. As long as he's staring at the corner, that's his flat defender reading the corner bails. He knows he would go to the flat. So ultimately like in a perfect world, kids, right. They're developed enough and they're going to, you know, watch a ton of film all weekend and do their thing. But like, you know, I'm sure coach feels the same way. We also want them to be, we also want them to be kids. 
right? Yeah. And hang out with their family and, and do that stuff and hang out with their friends and stuff like that. So we wanted to watch some film, but ultimately, like we don't, they're they're still kids and they're still learning and growing. And you know, it's our it's our job to make it as simple as possible for them. Right. And I'll add one thing yeah. that our standpoint. Um, you know, this is gonna be sacrilege to the to the coach that I kind of grew under the last um, 20 years. And that's coach Griff from Constantine. And he is a old school football coach where they're going to grind and practice a little bit. Um, and I am not, our practices start at three ten every day and we end at five thirty-five. I do not care at five thirty-five. we are done. And there are a lot of old school coaches and probably some big school coaches that are like, there's no way you can get done what you need to get done in that amount of time. And it's just not true. It's just, that's just not facts. What, what, what they're trying to do is they're spending, spending way too much time on new plays and new concepts and not per, perfecting what they do. And then within what they do, it, perfecting the block and the tackle, that's where the time, if a kid can, if, if your team can block and your team can tackle and they um, are in good shape, and they have enthusiasm for football, you're going to win football games. That's just no doubt about it. If your team can't block, they can't tackle, but they know what a, what a tripe set is, what they know what all two by two, they know how empty sets, and they know all of that, but they can't block and tackle because they've tried to learn all this stuff and they've watched a million uh, plays on film over the week, and they're not going to win. So my practice on Monday ends at 5.10. We go from 3.10 to 5.10 on Monday. On Thursday – walk through we're we go from 3 10 to 5 o'clock on tuesday and wednesday we're done at 5 35 coaches try to make things too complicated what it comes down to is blocking tackling play playing fast and that's just yeah. how kids have to be passionate i think one of the mistakes coaches have made and i'm sure it's happened to you coach when you were younger and happened to me when i was younger is when things aren't perfect right and, and things aren't right and maybe you're coming off a loss or you know you're not where you want to be, I think the the common mistake is you want to add more. Well, you know what? Then we got to do something different, and, it, and it's not. It goes back to the little things equaling the big things, like you're saying. Just, you know, you do the little things right. We just got to do them better than our opponent, and you got to keep getting better that way. And that, like you said, that definitely adds to the length of practice, and I'm with you. Uh, we're the same way. We don't go very long at all. Um, I found over, over my coaching career that our guys are more fresh on Friday nights by practicing light and practicing less during the week. Like they're chomping at the bit, ready to get after it Friday night. And so, I mean, and that's ultimately what we want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to touch on um, something that's got to be very, very special to you is what happened in November last season and the roller coaster ride that not only you as a coach, but the football team, the high school, the whole community got to go on this, this trip, you know, through this season where you guys not only went undefeated in your regular season, you, you, you just started, you went all the way to the state championship game. And then that was, I get like from what I understand, Lawton had, and we touched on a bit, you know, at the beginning of the show, but the reality of that situation of taking Lawton further than they've ever been, and with the with the kids, the the players, the the young men that went on a a journey that season that they will never forget for the rest of their lives, especially the seniors, mm -hmm. obviously. 
can you talk about just the emotional roller coaster of going undefeated, making that run in the in, in the in the state playoffs, beating Jackson Lumen Christie, an absolute powerhouse where you guys were pretty much like the you know like big underdogs, you know, according to whoever you wanted to ask, really. Like Jackson Lumen Christie is an absolute powerhouse. Mm-hmm. You went in and beat them Mm -hmm. but then to then to have the disappointment of losing the state championship how do you what what was that like well you know i'll first i'll state i'll say this were we underdogs yeah we you know we were underdogs and and not just in the luma christie we played muskegon catholic central yeah i mean i think the teams we played in those last three games combined had over 40 state championships or something like that. Right. And Lawton had never won a district championship before. What I will say about this is we had a senior class and a junior class um, made up of kids that had played together since they were in third grade, had had success at every level that they had ever played at that believed in each other and just loved each other. Like right off. I mean, when you have, I mean, when you would walk into practice on Monday, it was like you were walking into the first week of practice, right? I mean, they just, they were loose the whole time. They, they felt like they belonged from the very beginning. And to tell you the truth, the, the people that said we were underdogs, that definitely wasn't the coaches we were playing. You know, that was definitely not the coaches we were playing. The coaches we were playing, I think they knew exactly what they were getting ready to get into. Um, and it kind of started, you know, Muskegon Catholic, we were supposed to win our district. And then we go to regionals. And Muskegon Catholic Central were huge. No one picked us to beat Muskegon Catholic Central. And um, we kind of thumped them a little bit. You know, I, we, you know I'm not being cocky about it. Um, we, that was a good football team. And we kind of thumped them a little bit. And going into the Lumen Christie game, we watched that film. And, you know, Lumen Christie doesn't play Class C football teams during the regular season. So um, we knew exactly what we were getting into. But we saw a team that was very similar to us and that we felt like we could hang with. We had very good athletes. Um, that was a that was a very special day. Um, and where we didn't play characteristic how we had played the rest of the year, but our defense really stepped. We had been an offensive team most year. Our defense kind of stepped up in that game. Um, that was a very, very special day for me um, um, with those kids, you know, we didn't know if that was on the line. And when you kind of get to the final eight, anybody can win those games. You know, you're talking about Loyola, Traverse City, St. Francis, Fuamo, Westphalia. You're talking about, like Coach had talked about earlier, Division Seven's no joke. Yeah. It's week, week in and week out at the end. You're playing someone good. And then we go into that final game. And I'll just tell you, in the in the semifinals, Cooper Guy, our, um, he's, our, he's our slot and he's our fullback warranty. Um, he was sick that week with like a, like a chest thing. And um, we didn't think we were going to have him that day. And he tested negative for COVID that morning. And he said, coach, I think I'm over it. I still just have a residual cough. And we said, yeah, you know that you can't ride the bus with us. Um, We're going to leave it up to your parents. And he showed up and Cooper guy, who's a senior played the game of his life. And he's at the interception at the end when they were driving on us to win the game. Um, And what ended up happening is, and no one really knows this, is um, 
I would say out of our 60 football, and we have 60 in the program, which is pretty big for a class C program. Out of the 60 kids, I would say 54, 55 of them were very sick in the state final game. Wow. We went to the hotel. Those kids were very on. They, they had no energy in that state final game. Um, and they played their hearts out. And and we we lose that game. We're winning 10-7 or whatever it was late in the game. And I'll admit it right now is there's this technique called grubbing. And I called for a grub on their, on their last touchdown and they're at like the 35 and I, and I called for a grub and it was a mistake because we have a two time all state defensive end and Evan Stefan. And um, he had made plays all game. And we have a freshman that's about six foot three, about 220 pounds, Mason Maine, who's going to probably be a division one football player. He plays the other other side of the ball and they had played plays the whole game. And when you ask a kid to grub, you're actually actually asking him not to make plays. You're asking him to just give up, give up his body to just try and try and create piles. And I called that and um, it was the wrong play call. And they got a gap on us and Drew Steph and our linebacker went to where his read told him to go. And there's just a gap inside and they ISOed up on our safety and they ran a touchdown. Um, I, I think the emotion for those kids, um, some one point they're physically drained. And second of all, they knew that they had played. I mean, if you look at the statistics, we kind of outplayed Puamo in that game, but that's a very good football team, very good coaching staff. And that loss is kind of on me, you know, in that situation, I should have let my guys make plays and I didn't let, let them make plays. I kind of overthought it a little bit. So the emotion was, was tough. Um, but I think that our town and our high school and that team realized the legacy they left and it might have taken 24 hours. I think they were very, very proud of themselves. As they should be. Absolutely. Hey coach, what, what were, um, you know, going into that, that week at Ford field, you know, the preparations for that week. And so I'm looking at it from this angle. So on a much, on a much smaller scale, right. And in, in the Catholic league, Bishop Foley, we, we made it to the prep bowl at Ford field, won the prep bowl for the first time in school history, but leading up to that game, you know, I can't imagine what it was like for you dealing with, you know, um, questions about tickets, questions about, you know, who gets a sideline pass, um, you know, figuring out the headset situation in the booth. Cause I dealt with that on a much smaller, smaller scale. And by Wednesday, like I shut my phone off, like I was done. The amount of people blowing up my phone um, for that game from, you know, teachers or parents or family and friends, whatnot, wanting to get access. I was just done. So how did you, uh, I'm sure you had a similar, but probably a little more intense experience. How did you manage that? And I'm assuming you managed it a little better than I did. Cause I was a mess. Um, well, you know, when you go to the state finals, they send all the pre-stuff as soon as you win the regional final. That's the first thing. So um, we treated it like we were going to the state finals. As soon as we beat Muskegon Catholic Central, we treated it like we were going to beat Lumen Christie. Um, you know, and that's a big if, but we treated it that way. So, and I have a phenomenal athletic director in Chris Richter. I have a phenomenal principal and Tammy Wilson and I have a, you know, there's uh, Amanda, Amanda Steinke's the athletic director, secretary. They first of all did a, a ton of work for us, but we treated it like, so we, or like on Sunday after we beat Muskegon Catholic central, we got our hotel rooms. We got, 
the tickets. We knew the amount of tickets we wanted to do. We got the money ready to go to pre-order the tickets. We did our whole itinerary prior to going into practice against Lumen Christie. All that was taken care of. Um, and then we just didn't worry about it. All we really needed to worry about was where we were going to practice that week because it was going to be cold. Um, we practiced one day outside, and then we practiced at Western Michigan on Wednesday or on Thanksgiving. We practiced at Western Michigan. We we drove and played and practiced at Detroit Country Day on their indoor facility on Friday. I wish I had facilities like that as a high school. Oof, country days, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's a school right, right there. Right. So yeah. So I we just prepped it. We, we just treated it like we were going to do that coach. And I, and to tell you the truth, I had a lot of help. I mean, I have a lot of help and I have, again, I have a football staff of 11 veteran football coaches and you know, most high, most head coaches can't say that they have that. And I lean on them. I do not micromanage lean on them and I let them take care of their business. So there's a lot of times during the offensive practice, and I usually don't open my mouth during the offensive part of practice. I let my guys do it. Um, and, you know, I was on the phone a lot during the offensive part of practice, to, to be honest with you. I think you have to be able to hire the right people. And then within, after you hire them, let them go do their job. You know, you hired them for a reason, trust them, let them grow as individuals. And then the coaching staff, I just let them do their deal. And that allowed, that frees me up to do other things. Yeah, that oh man. Okay. You, you you went to the top of the the mountain there. So what do you do next year? How do you how do you bring this team in next year? And same thing with you, uh coach. You guys both had successful, very successful seasons in your own right. How do you get the kids now to 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 achieve more? I'll let you start, coach. <laughs> All right. So so the last, the last, uh, the last time in 2018, uh, well, 2018, we, we finished eight and two really, really similar season to what we had this year, but without the prep bowl appearance and victory, you know, um, that following year, I think we took a step back and, um, I think that was that a lot of that was on me, you know, because that was the first time in, you know, my coaching career that we, you know, we've, I've coached a team where we've had a lot of success, you know, and, um, I don't know if I push the right buttons in the off season. And now I think, you know, the biggest thing is just, you know, I tell the guys, you know, we have a lot of seniors returning. We only graduated, um, I believe two starters on offense. So we got a lot of guys coming back, you know, like what, what do you want your legacy to be? Right. And, and you think about all the great players in history of sports, right. Think of Tom Brady, think of Michael Jordan, um, you know, think of LeBron James right now. Like none of those guys were ever satisfied like never satisfied. They always wanted to be great. So I look at it as like, you know, approaching it with our guys, like, man, we're going to run it back. Like we're, the expectations are the same. And so when you instill that championship mindset, you know, I always, they always talked about, um, and I believe I've talked about it before. Like we never really talked about championships, right? We talked about being a champion, right. And how you carry yourself every day in the classroom, off the field, on the field, you know, at home and in the community. Well, now we, we can say like, you know what, you're not just acting like a champion, you are a champion. And so, you know, you need to act like a champion at all times. And that's always putting forth hundred percent effort and going back to it. And so, I mean, it'll be a challenge and I'm sure coaches, I mean, coaches are going to be dealing with the same thing. Um, it's a challenge. Um, football season can be a grind. You know, it's important that um, like this off season, we've allowed our kids to 
refresh a little bit and I see coach, you know, posting his videos that are awesome. Kids are getting back after it and stuff in the weight room, ready to go. And, you know, we're similar. We like get a lot of guys playing multiple sports, which is key, um, you know, and they're competing and dealing with adversity and whatnot. And so, you know, we'll, we feel pretty good. We think we'll be ready to go come the summertime. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go in a little different direction and everything that coach says is true. You know, um, we do have multiple sport athletes and I do not mean this in a negative way at all, but I'm going to bring up our rival in that schoolcraft a little bit. And schoolcraft had some extremely talented teams. Um, and, and, you know, we use them as a model, both in a good and a bad way. And they, they went, they had a team that scored a lot of points over two years and they had very, a lot of talent and they only played that talent. And what I mean by that is those 11 starters on both sides of the ball, they played the whole game, every no game, matter what. Huh. no matter what. And I don't know what the reason for it was, um, but they smashed teams and those kids put up a ton of stats on those schoolcraft teams. And we said, we don't want to be that. That is not us. And I, and again, I, that, that doesn't sound really derogatory towards them. Every coach has to do their own journey and that's how Schoolcraft chose to do their journey. We didn't necessarily agree with that. So this year as we were going through teams and if you look at our scores, you can see we were scoring 56, 60 points every single game. Um, and our starters did not play one series after this in the sec they played one series in the second half and they were done for the game. And, you know, we took a lot of heat from our senior parents, you know, a lot of heat, you know, Jake roof puts up 2,600 yards and 49 touchdowns. And he very rarely played past about three minutes in the third quarter. And so the reason I bring that up in this idea, what do you do now? Well, we've got a bunch of juniors and sophomores that played almost a whole half of varsity football. And that's, you know, that's the five quarter rule is a big deal. Um, and we use that five quarter rule to our advantage. So we have a bunch of kids that have played varsity football. They might not have started, but they were on some very successful teams. They learned some for some seniors that were, you know, top notch all state football players. And we, they feel like they can hang with them because they got to practice against them. They got to play for them. They got to, to do those different things. And then the other thing that's, I, it's totally different for coach, uh, coach Barnes, coach, you're playing teams week in and week out that have JV football teams, right? I would imagine you play those teams. The majority of our teams that we've played. Yeah. Have yeah. a JV team. Mm -hmm. Majority of our teams play do not have JV football teams. So then we have to go schedule JV football games. So who are we going to schedule them against? We're not going to go against like weak teams. So who, who did our JV football teams play against? They played against Berrien Springs, a powerhouse. They played against Grand Rapids Catholic Central powerhouse. They played against Grand Rapids Christian powerhouse. we sent them against the best teams they could play at the JV level. They took their lumps a little bit, but they also beat a couple of those teams. They lost to Grand Rapids Christian on the last game, the last play of the game. They beat Berrien Springs and they hung with Grand Rapids Catholic Central for three free games. And then they play teams like Constantine. We schedule our JV kids. So our JV kids, they're not necessarily playing JV football teams. They're play, They're kind of playing like um, the second string varsity teams. And so they're ready to go next year. They've played enough downs of high, highly competitive ball where we're, we think they're ready to go ahead and compete at a high level. We, we did things very intentionally with our JV team. When we have a JV team cancel on us, we don't go look for anybody. We, we'll, we'll send our JV team to travel to go play the best. All right. Well, fellas, look, we're getting uh... – 
we're getting up against it here, but I would be remiss if I did not um, just talk about Clawson, Clawson football. Well, and so, Coach, uh, Coach Waldrop, I'll start with you. Um, all three of us are from Clawson. All three of us played Clawson football. What does Clawson? What does Clawson football mean to you, Coach Waldrop? Um. You know, I'm in a kind of a unique situation um, with Clawson football in that, you know, I was not the best student and that affected my um, my football days. You know, I was a different I was I was a guy that was homeless for a couple of years and I and I went to Clawson that affected the way I could play football. Um, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I played under uh, Coach Moore, um, Coach uh, Richard there, and I played under. Um, Coach Padoka, um, and I coached under, or I, I, you know, I played under those guys. And to to me, Clawson football really didn't start with that high school program. You know, if you look at Clawson, what Clawson was known for for a long, long time is what they call rocket football now. And back then, we called it, you know, and I think it's still the same as the Clawson Mavericks. Um, if you played in the Clawson Maverick Mavericks program, you kind of learned how to win. You know, I don't know if it was the same for you, Coach Barnes. You're a little younger than me, but you kind of learned how to win. You kind of learned about a special program in that Clawson Mavericks. And then you get into Clawson High. And before I got to Clawson, um, they had had a number of years of being down. And my class, um, we had a lot of good athletes. And John Jansen, who's who most people know, that's oh, what yeah. they buy football with, um, with Clawson. He would have been an eighth grader when I was a senior. Um, so that really the successful years came after that. Clawson football is a very special thing to me, but I think probably a little different than you guys probably remember it because more of the rocket program is really what was so special to me. Got, you know, um, guys like, you know, Steve Haney's father, Mr. Haney, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, guys right. like yeah, Ralph Haney. Um, he's one of my first coaches. Right. right. Coach, coach Noel, um, coach Eads. Um, yep. Coach Bargy, um, Coach Haney, all these guys in the Rocket program, I cannot tell you what they meant to me as a young man. Um, coach Fosman. So I, I could go on and on about these Rocket football coaches. To me, they are the epitome of what being a man was about, and they taught me how to conduct myself, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, and how you should uh, to act. And, you know, a lot of times when I fall back on my coaching mentors that yeah, I think of my adult years, but there's a lot of times I'll look back at the way that those, those coaches in that rocket program um, coached me up and taught me about life and football. And that's what Clawson football meant to me. Coach, that is, that's fantastic. You know, I similarly started, started off, uh, you know, playing for the Clawson Mavericks, um, you know, in sixth grade, you know, and, and I just remember, you know, when I started and then started going to high school games. So I probably started going to watch you play. And like you said, Steve Haney, um, you know, was playing on those teams and um, John Jansen is a little bit older than me, but I remember, you know, being a part of that, um, that era. And, and I just remember, I couldn't wait, you know, to go play for Clawson high school football, you know, Clawson high school football. And um, you mentioned a lot of guys, you know, coach, coach Moore, um, is a big reason why I got into high school coaching or I got into coaching in general, just a great man. And like you mentioned, coach Ralph Haney, he's, you know, he's on speed dial on my phone. You know, I, I still talk to him, um, a little bit and, uh, you know, just think of the guys that have come from, you know, that tree, you mentioned a lot of great ones already. And then coach Sparks, obviously who was at 
follow up to coach Moore for a long time at Clausen. He's not in Novi high school and, you know, coach Ross, um, who we played for. And then obviously coach Steve Haney is at Clausen now. And just, just like you said, the great men that have come from playing, uh, Clawson football, John Jansen, Todd Francis, um, you know, I was coaching down in Texas right now. And he lived right just, across the street from me, coach. He lived right. That, when I, that he oh, sure did. He was a little, <laughs> he was a little guy. When I, so he was, I mean, so much younger than me, but he lived right across the street from me, coach. That's Francis. right. You, you can say it, the little chubby guy. He's, I wouldn't tell him about his face <laughs> now. He would tear me off, but he was, yeah, I remember him because I grew up with him. Yeah, little chubby guy, but like just all, just all great men. And, and you think about like what football meant to them and how they tried to develop us, not just as football players, but as people, you know, and, that, and that's really special. And it's something that, you know, I still live in Clawson. Uh, it always is going to have a close spot in my heart. You know, I cherish all the memories and the friendships that I made and all the coaching connections. And it's, you know, I, I talk about it. It's stuff I'll never forget. But like, you know, you go to your class reunions, you go to weddings and stuff. And what do you end up talking about? We end up talking about class and football. Like we end up talking about, you know, football back in the day. And so it's great memories. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. And I got to, you know, share the same kind of sentiments because I, I grew up playing football too. Uh, Coach Sparks and Coach Ralph Haney were my first two football coaches playing Mavericks. You know, so like, and, and it's just, the way things have evolved with all that, I got so many memories of being on that field, you know, and under the Friday night lights. And because as, uh, you know, prep football players, you, you go to these games and then when you get into the uh, the JV and you're watching the varsity and having playing JV football, having the varsity, you guys are practicing together on the same field. So the varsity do it, they're knocking you around and then you got to go to class with them and they're knocking you around in there too. But you just, you just remember all that stuff. And then when it's your turn and you're playing under those lights and you have those memories, Clawson Stadium was a special, special place. And um, I think, I, I know, um, I, I, I saw uh, Coach Barnes was, I believe he was a senior um, when I was a freshman, I think. Is what, and I watched this guy, you know, like break records and stuff and just be a star. And then, uh, you know, it's just, I, I remember Jansen, I was an eighth grader. It's funny you said that, that uh, Jansen was an eighth grader when you were in high like when you were seeing because when I was an eighth grader, I remember uh, John Jansen, he, he just, he signed with Michigan and it was just, it was like looking at a celebrity, you know, like, Oh my God, this guy's going to Michigan. And then, and guess what he does? He goes on to be the captain of, you know, the right. And so seven Wolverine champion. And we can claim that as a, as a hometown or, you know, as a football community, we can claim you, we can claim that, you know, like, it's a, it is amazing. like just the guys that come through there like coaches yeah. assistant coach you know i remember looking my idol was doug golf and yeah. coaches assistant oh no yeah. way right so like you see like there is these interconnections at clausen and he doug golf i'm telling you right now i worship that guy and so he held all the rushing records and then the guy i played with was joe mitchell joe mitchell broke all doug golf's records mm-hmm. And, and, and Doug Goff had broke someone else's records. And then Coach Barnes comes in. He breaks Joe Mitchell's records, right? Oh. And then you just see it go yeah. on. Oh, I got I got to shout out uh, Ryan Smith. The very next year <laughs> broke off Brian's records. But then uh, uh, Jerry Holly came in the next year and broke off Ryan Smith's records. It was it was wild. But because that's I think there was a testament to what what it was. Like everybody just wanted to be better. And, and Clawson football has got a great history. And it's just cool yeah. that – all three of us are are a part of it. You know what I'm saying? And there is a coaching legacy now out of that mm-hmm. clock. 
uh, that came out of that Clawson High School program. I mean, I don't know many other schools that have five head coaches rolling around, um, but it did have something to do with, like I said, you just go back to the base level of the Clawson Mavericks and the men that we got to play under really did set the foundation. You know, coach has a little different experience with coach Moore, but coach Moore sets that foundation. Um, kind of like coach Null set the foundation for me, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and I, well, and I, and, and I would not be a football coach today if it was not for coach Null. Wow. Um, Gary Null. And I would not be that would, to me, that could have been, you know, that could have been, that could have been Bill Belichick walking around to me. Coach yeah. Null was that special of a human being for me. So. You just make sure you give, you just got to give him a hard time now that he lives out in Boston. He's not like a Detroit sports fan anymore. It's all about the Pats and the Red Sox and stuff. Well, he was always a winner, right? He was going to roll with winners, right? <laughs> Very true. He's all true. Roll with, with Detroit. That's no doubt. Roll with winners. So, no doubt. Oh, man. All right, fellas. Well, I think this is a great point to wrap it up. Um, Coach Barnes, you got any last uh, questions for or last things you want to say to Coach Wall? No, yeah, really quick. But, you know, obviously, thanks for coming on, Wade. Uh, great talking to you, man. Um, you know, we, we keep talking about one of these off seasons. We're going to hook up and, you know, we're going to do that. We're going to do that this off season for sure. You know, with with this podcast, one of the things that we end with is we want to ask guys, you know, are there any special you know, really quick traditions or something that you do at Lawton or that was at Lawton before you got there or something you've installed that's special to you and your program and your community that you could share with us? Um, you know, the, everything Lawton has to do, like uh, we actually had transfer come in and the transfer came in with his dad, who's a coach and the transfer said to his dad, he's like, is everything at Lawton a thing? Like, is every, every like everything they do is the, a thing, right? So um, there's a lot of, things we do at at um Lawton there's some things I brought brought in but I'll, I'll tell you one, one thing that the kids do and it's not even that that big of a deal I guess on what we don't we're non-conditioning team we don't condition we will even run in our all over field fast whatever we, we want to be in game condition so we don't do conditioning but on Wednesdays between the offense and defensive session we have this thing that's called halo and what it is is the kids run around in a circle so it's probably about a 15 yard, you know, um, radius. Um, and the kids run this circle and the skill guys run while the guys inside the circle are doing some sort of calisthenic we're calling out and we call it halo. And the reason we call it halo is because within about doing three of these things, there's a big dirt path and that dirt path. If I walked out there, wiped away the snow, it's in the, it's going to be in there for the next 50 years. If they don't get rid of that spot of grass, and it's called Halo. And we learned Halo from Constantine. And Constantine does Halo. And it's a special thing. And the kids love Halo. And they hate Halo. Because Halo <laughs> Halo is you determine what kind of mood coach is in. Because Halo can go jumping jacks and we're done. Or they could be eight or nine different exercises they're doing inside that Halo. And they switch. Um, so the Halo, we call it the Devil's Halo. And it's often an area that only the football players would know are even there. It's in this little like crevice of the of the earth over on the side of our practices field. Um, that's the special thing we call Halo. So if you're ever at a Lawton football game and fourth quarter comes up, the whole crowd starts chanting Halo over and over. Halo, Halo, and it's our thing. It's a uh, kind of kind of cheesy, but the kids they, they'll hang on that the rest of their life. All right, uh, Coach. I guess uh, last thing then. Um, do you want to uh, shout out? Um, 
anything as far as like your Twitter handle or any way that other coaches or anybody that wants to get uh, that listens to this podcast or that that wants to get a hold of you and maybe ask you some questions going forward? Is there any information you want to give out or any last messages you want to get out on this podcast before we wrap it up? Um, you know, I I can't even tell you what my Twitter handle is. I use it. <laughs> tell you the truth um just google it man that's that's, that's what ready, people do yeah right i'm I, i'm getting ready to present if you look at coach waldrop i think it's coach waldrop underscore dc i think that's what it is twitter yeah you can find some information i present enough if you go out to youtube you can see a youtube videos on our defense and our defense is very very unique it's um something yeah created ourselves i think if they went out to youtube they'd be able to see it and they'll be able to get all the twitter information off of that and i am you know i'm not sure when this podcast goes out but I, I have a number of presentations i'm doing the rest of the year and if you go to the Michigan high school football coach association i think if you're a member i think you can probably get on our uh, our presentations from that all yeah coach your coach it's so at coach underscore waldrip dc so just so you know, for future reference, if you guys, <laughs> our listeners want to follow Coach Waldrop, I'm at Coach Barnes 20, and the show's Twitter handle is simply inside, at Inside the Office. Okay. All right. I appreciate everything, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this has been awesome. Episode number four, we're moving on, man. This is awesome. Coach Waldrop, thank you so much. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, for, for Coach Barnes, my name is Tom Murphy, Jr., And this has been Inside the Coach's Office.